This is Made in Montana News on the Treasure State Radio Network. I'm Jay Scott. Another call for a special session of the Montana Legislature that would have addressed, among other things, rising residential property taxes in the state has failed. Montana Secretary of State Christy Jacobson released results of a poll of Montana legislators on Friday, and it showed only 55 members of the 150-member legislature supported a special session, well short of the 76 needed for the lawmakers to bring themselves back to session in Helena. The call for a special session was pushed by lawmakers identified as the Montana Freedom Caucus because of the public outrage over a jump in residential property taxes. Sticker shock came in the form of property tax assessments that many residents started to receive in the summer after the 2023 legislature had recessed. Though legislative Democrats had previously floated an unsuccessful proposal for a one-day special session of their own, it was defeated earlier this year. Democrats voted against the idea of the most current special session being proposed by the Montana Freedom Caucus. The special session would have begun on January 15th. Thirty-seven members of the House voted to support the session, including House Speaker Matt Regeer and Majority Leader Sue Vinton. Forty-six members opposed or didn't return ballots. Eighteen members of the Montana Senate voted for the special session, with Senate President Jason Ellsworth and Majority Leader Steve Fitzpatrick not returning their ballots. Democratic Minority Leader Kim Abbott did not return her ballot, and Senator Pat Flowers voted against the special session. A Helena State Senator has requested an official legislative audit of the stalled renovations to the governor's executive residence in Helena. In a four-page letter dated January 2nd to Legislative Auditor Angus McIver, Senator Marianne Dunwell, the Democrat from Helena, asked for a formal audit of the governor's residence renovation and included numerous questions as to why the project is on indefinite hold. McIver told the Montana News Bureau that those kind of requests are pretty common, especially from legislators. The renovations of the governor's mansion were supposed to have been completed over a year ago, but there's still no projected completion date on the calendar. Montana Department of Administration Communications Director Megan Grotsky previously said that the state paused the project due to, quote, the unprecedented and explosive levels of inflation, supply chain shortages, delays, and low availability of skilled labor in the construction market. Fixing what the state called deferred maintenance is the most expensive part of the renovation. Those problems include abating asbestos, changing non-code compliant electrical system, and replacing the dysfunctional HVAC and plumbing systems. The Montana Constitution stipulates that statewide elected officials, quote, shall reside at the seat of government. 
the Gianforte family bought a residence in the Mansion District of Helena, and the couple splits their time between Helena and their longtime home in Bozeman. Dunwell's request will go to an audit committee, but that won't even convene until June. As northwest Montana caps one of the driest Decembers on record, a return to winter weather may be in sight. Just five inches of snow were recorded at the weather station at Glacier National Park's airport last month. Kalispell normally averages 15.9 inches of snow in December. The December total was the lowest for the month in Kalispell since 2011 and the 17th lowest on record, according to the National Weather Service. The lowest temperature of the month came on Christmas Day at 10 above. The lowest temperature in November was 9 degrees on November 25th. Kalispell's average temperature for last month was 29.4, well above the normal average of 24.1. It was the 14th warmest December on record. The Flathead River Basin snowpack is 57% of normal at the end of the year, the Kootenai Basin 58%. The snowpack in Missoula at the upper Clark Fork River is 38%. Meanwhile, the weather station at the 5,650-foot mark at Blacktail Mountain above Lakeside shows just three inches of snow on the ground. National Weather Service Senior Meteorologist Bob Nestor says a change may be on the horizon later this week. A high-pressure ridge that has kept snowstorms at bay and filled northwest Montana valleys with fog is expected to break down. Nestor noted long-range forecasts show for a cold and active weather pattern hanging around. While this winter has been lackluster thus far, there's plenty of time to reverse course, he says. That has happened before. We have had dry starts, and they catch up pretty quickly. December of 2002 was similar, and by April of that year, the mountain snowpack was 105% of normal. A new report from ProPublica has found a culture that blames railroad workers when they get hurt and motivates supervisors to go to extreme and sometimes dangerous lengths to keep injuries off the books. One supervisor said in a deposition that he drove a track repairman who had been vomiting and stumblings from heat stroke to a job briefing site an hour away instead of to the hospital. Another admitted he paid a worker to hide his head injury. A third accompanied a hurt worker to the emergency room, according to a recent complaint to regulators, and demanded successfully that the doctor change his discharge record so that the railroad would not have to report the injury to the government. Other railroad workers told ProPublica they'd gotten hurt on the job but chose to keep it quiet, saying they were aware of what happened to those who talked. The allegations of harassment and retaliation came alive in hundreds of interviews conducted by reporters and thousands of records they reviewed, including federal lawsuits stretching back 15 years. 
also included complaints to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration as recently as this summer and hours of audio recordings captured by workers. The railroads dispute the report. Quote, railroads patently reject the unsubstantiated allegation that there is a systemic safety culture lapse or widespread underreporting of injuries. ProPublica spoke with seven railroad workers who were managers at CSX, Norfolk Southern, Union Pacific, and Canadian National between 2011 and 2021. Most are still employed by their companies. All describe the industry philosophy that deems every injury preventable and the fault of the employee or their manager. According to ProPublica, an injury can paint a target on a worker's back. A historic federal plan that paves the way for breaching of four dams on the lower Snake River came about because of planning and work led by the four Columbia River Treaty Tribes, Yakima Nation, Confederated Tribes of the Warm Spring, Confederated Tribes of the Umatella Indian Reservation, and the Nez Pierce Tribe. In a series of commitments announced last week, the federal government agreed to fund green energy projects led by the four Columbia River Native Nations. They are intended to replace the energy generated by the four dams in the Lower Snake River. The plan sets the stage for breaching the dams in the next decade, the time span of about two generations of salmon. It's the latest development in a long-running lawsuit filed more than two decades ago over government operation of the federal dams that has pushed salmon and steelhead to the brink of extinction. Dams are the main problem preventing recovery for 10 of the 16 salmon and steelhead populations in the Columbia River Basin, according to a 2022 report by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. If approved by the court, the plan outlined in the documents would build on recommendations from Washington Governor Jay Inslee and Senator Patty Murray, calling for the breaching of the dams as a crucial part of salmon recovery. In their recommendations, Inslee and Murray noted that the energy provided by the dams, along with other services, would need to be replaced before the breaching could actually occur. A viable plan to replace what the dams provide is also key to persuading Congress to approve the breaching. If you need to hear this report again, please check our Treasure State Radio or KGRT-DB webpages. Made in Montana News is podcast worldwide with listeners in now 53 U.S. states and Canadian provinces, three Native American nations, 33 countries on six continents. We also post expanded versions of our stories on Facebook. Made in Montana news is heard on the Treasure State Radio Network, including KMEH, 100.1 FM in Helena, Elkhorn Mountains Radio in Jefferson County, Homegrown Radio in Bozeman, King West Radio in Billings, ResCast Radio on the Fort Peck Reservation, PIVA Radio of the Northern Cheyenne Nation, 
and Crow Res Radio of the Crow Nation. That's Made in Montana News. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Treasure State Radio Network.